0: Hey, this is Wyatt. Thanks for joining the Talent Tank. Before you clicked on, I know you saw who uh, this installment is about. It's a good friend of mine, Terry Badden. And I've struggled. I've really struggled with this one. Sitting here, this is uh, one week after the passing of his girlfriend, Jessie Combs, and good friend of many of ours, pioneer woman in motorsports. And we recorded this episode, a few weeks before Jesse's crash, it's really good. Terry and I went a lot of places and we got into some really, really good things. And I look forward to you guys hearing that in this episode. But I'm also really excited about some of the goals that Terry and Jesse had set out and Terry lined out to me in this interview. I'm going to be standing here behind him. The Talent takes stand standing here behind him. The off-road community is standing behind him to help him carry out and fulfill those goals. You're going to listen to this podcast, and I allude to Jesse not being happy with me. What was just a week ago a funny story about an ill-time joke gone bad that I thought I'd eventually get a chance to write in person at some point has changed with her passing. If I've learned anything from this, you can't just wait for someday. But I've got to say, what a woman. The outpouring of love that the world has had for her, that social media has been inundated with pictures and video and testaments of people's lives with Jesse. For what I've seen, she transcends all of motorsports. It wasn't just off-road, which this podcast is somewhat centered around. She was all over in the hot rod scene. She was all over in the motorcycle scene from welding, empowering women to, gosh, everything. And then... This one really hits home for me when we talk about land speed. I don't know how many people know, but I've ran very fast at Bonneville. I don't have a record there. I've tried, it has eluded me. And I know where Jesse was on this. I've heard Terry allude to this. You have gotten right with everything in the world when you decide to strap in and you're going for the glory and you're going for your spot in history jesse had her spot in history etched out she is chiseled into history today i'm very very saddened by this as as so many so many so many people are that are reflecting on and remembering her and remembering her accomplishments what an amazing woman terry our hearts cry out for you we are here to support you i want everyone to as they listen to today's installment of the talent tank things change Life is precious. Live it. You've got from the day you're born to the day your maker comes calling. You've got to live it. If anything that I've taken away personally in the past week of reflecting on our mortality is Jesse, Jesse lived it. When I look at that woman's life, there had to have been zero regrets. She lived it every single day. And that is what we should all strive and exemplify to be known for someone. That pushed our boundaries, pushed our limits, and pushed our experiences. Godspeed, Jesse Combs.
1: Let's drop the green flag on this episode of the Talent Tank Podcast with your host, Wyatt Pemberton, bringing you the best, fastest, most knowledgeable personalities in Ultra 4 and off road racing. Go, go, go.
0: Hey, it's Wyatt. Yes, asking for your help. If you like the show and enjoy the content, please hit the five-star rating on Apple Podcast or on Stitcher. Please consider writing a quick review on the Talent Tank Facebook page, on YouTube, and absolutely on Apple Podcast. And consider joining the discussions in the Talent Tank Insiders group on Facebook. All right, let's get to it. All right, all right, all right. Episode number two of the Talent Tank, and we're still not running on full. Imagine my surprise about what a ceiling fan here in Texas and a Dodge Cummins AC in California can do to an audio track. Welcome back. Thanks for subscribing. Today we've got Terry Madden on. Great stories, great content, great background noise. Let's jump in and share some laughs. Thanks for joining. All right. Hey, so here we go. This is episode two of the Talent Tank. On today, we've got Mr. Terry Madden gracing us with his presence, his beautiful locks of love hair. He's missing a big event in Sturgis. I know when this finally airs in about a month, uh, we're going to look back and he'll realize, you know, what, what a big deal it was to actually do this interview versus going to Sturgis, you know. <laughs> oh, man. So, so Terry and myself, we go way back, you know, at least a handful of years, you know, 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there. I'll tell you, he's he's been instrumental in my life the last handful of years. A couple years back, he he called, you know, he texted me. I believe it was a text. texted me to go sailing with him. He was at Ducks Unlimited Banquet in Larned, Kansas, where Terry's actually from. He's from Larna, Kansas. And we'll get into that here in a little bit. But he, he lives out in uh, Los Angeles now. Moved to California. I think that's the that's the reverse uh, commute because I think everyone else in the state of California is leaving. Is that right, Terry? They're, they're leaving?
1: You yeah. Uh, I'm still struggling with the fact that I actually came here myself.
0: But. <laughs> I bet. So Terry uh, hits me up while we were out partying. Invited me and my wife to go sailing with him and a bunch of Ultra 4 guys down in the leeward islands and let me tell you it changed my life you know being a Kansas guy myself now all of a sudden like I love saying I actually just got back from there that was a good time but this this isn't about me we've got Terry we've got him in the hot seat in February KOH came around post KOH there was the genesis of this this program kind of came up and came to fruition Terry was a huge proponent you know huge in my corner had my back, was cracking the whip on me to get it done, and I'm not gonna lie, I, have, I still even to this day have anxiety about this project. I'm, I'm excited about it. I will tell you, if it weren't for for Terry, if Terry, if it weren't for you, you know, I don't know how far I would have gone. I would have put it, you know nicely up on the shelf with a lot of my uh, great ideas, and they never see fruition. But thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't thank you enough for for pushing this. You. Over the course of the last six, seven months, you've had so many great stories that we just, that I'd love to have captured in that time period, and we didn't get there. But here we are. We're in the month of August 2019. Finally, we were able to flange up. We were able to get this going. Thank you for coming on board, man.
1: Oh, no problem. I'm excited to see this go. I think it's going to be a really neat project, and I want to see what you do with it. And I want to hear the other episodes of the other people you got lined up. They all sound great. I'm kind of excited.
0: As I told you right before the show, I actually just got really good news about our first episode that's going to kick off October. I'm really excited about that one. But So let's dive into you, Terry. A little background. You're you're from Larned, Kansas. That's like Central Kansas, right?
1: Central Kansas. I'm from Great Bend, actually. It's about 20 miles from Larned, but Larned's where I ended up after I got out of high school. Out
0: of high school, you, you're a serviceman, right? I mean, you, you went and served for, for our country.
1: Yep. Like, okay. I went to basic straight out of high school and did eight years is with military police it was a combat mp unit we uh didn't do any typical police work you were all over the world we spent some time in japan korea a few other locations but never stayed anywhere very long at all Had a small unit that just kind of did went and did their specialty work we were epw which is enemy prisoner of war later on in the process getting into the iraqi war previously there'd only been us and one Marine unit that did this because there weren't many prisoners of war. Then when all the defections started and everybody started coming, they turned us into instructors. So my last two two deployments, all we did was cross-train every unit deploying came through our two-week school to be cross-trained on prisoners of
0: war. I know other guys in gotten out. They took things away from that because I know you have some uh, some specific skill sets, like your ability to be prepared, your ability to seek out adventure, your ability to never like stop, quit. You have this you have this innate you know knack about you. And I'm referring to this in, in the race course format. You're kind of like a little MacGyver. Has that been part of your your life, or is that something that you developed through the military service or?
1: Some of it came from the military, definitely. I think a lot of it was ingrained well before that. I think part of that's what actually made me succeed in the military. I grew up that way. grew up on a farm in the middle of Kansas, a fairly poor farm. Grandpa was very instrumental on just making anything work with whatever you had, because it's all you had. And my dad was very mechanical, taught me a lot. And it was just, failure wasn't an option, whether we were wheeling in the river or you just were on a mission to get this... Whatever it was fixed, you just, which is a curse today, because sometimes I'll put twice as much into something just to prove I can do it, than it's even worth. You got out of the service, you got back.
0: I know uh, you got married. Do you have three kids? I've got two boys and then
1: uh, a girl I adopted.
0: They're almost all they're almost all grown though, right? I don't you don't have young kids, and which is funny. You look at you, you're a young guy. When you tell me I have a like a 21 year old, I'm like,
1: bro. Yeah. I got 17, 19, and 21. Uh, the oldest is uh, on his own, great girlfriend, lives in Colorado Springs, seems to be really learning a lot about life and doing good, I'm proud of him. Chloe, my daughter, the middle one, she's in pre-med at KU, doing amazing. She was always the good student, I'm super proud of her. Dalton, he's 17, and as of last week, he just sprung it on me that he's moving out here next week and gonna do his senior year of high school here at Yucca Valley. Gonna get him back. When I moved out here, he originally decided he wanted to stay with all his friends, which I respected. He wanted to graduate with his friends he'd grown up with, but now he's changed his mind and I'm super excited he's headed this way. Now, I actually know a little bit about Dalton. Uh, it's, it's not much, but I do know
0: he is into videography and he's into uh, editing, he's into video production, audio production. I gotta say, you know, as a dad, like that's like such the, the smart move to go from central Kansas to Los Angeles where you have every studio under the sun has at a minimum an office in Hollywood right?
1: Yeah it's kind of funny because I made a choice years ago when I got out of the military I wanted my kids to grow up in small town America because I felt like it was the best for them small school good people less drugs less crime and uh, now that I've experienced more of the world I feel like I held them back because there's so much opportunity around every corner out here and I'm not sure I made the right decision. So I'm excited that he's going to get to have both. He came from those roots, but now he gets to come have real world opportunity, see what he can be.
0: I felt, you know, when I hit the real world after leaving Kansas, I hit the world, you know, somewhat handicapped, you know, had been very sheltered. We didn't believe we were being sheltered, but by default, we were uh, geographically uh, isolated to an extent. I mean, that was a different era today. The way the internet is, it's kind of shortened and flattened a lot of those those learning curves, and the sheltering is a little bit hard to do. But at the same time, it's it, it, it is still there. Well, I for one is very proud of uh, him making that decision to go put himself in a situation where uh, uh, he's setting up the playing field for the future for himself. You got to you know as a parent, you got to look at that and just just smile and just be like, man, I think I'm winning on this one. So.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm excited about Dalton. I could talk about him all day, I won't take your time up, but he's been a unique child from day one. He uh, he had leukemia. We found out when he was 3 and he they gave him a less than 20% chance of making it. He beat it in 4 years, a hard chemo and everything else. He's just been a shit ever since. And part of it's my fault cuz we spoiled him cuz we well, were like, father sure like he was son, human. right? <laughs> He was even going to make it, but then he also has this damned uh, invincible clause to him. He doesn't feel pain. He's just like, he can get through anything. And sometimes he scares me because he just, he does shit he shouldn't be doing. But again, so, so I wonder that, where he gets at. But
0: <laughs> does this mean that you're going to have another set of hands and pits going forward, like in February?
1: Very excited with that. And I'm also hoping to get him in a razor. I'm thinking possibly hammers.
0: Yeah right. No time like the prison. No time like the you know the hardest race on the planet to put him in a razor and say hey, here cut your teeth here. Um, I guess after well, that, after that every every race after that ends up being easy. You're like man that was simple.
1: I might know somebody to ride with him that's done it a time or two.
0: Yeah yeah right. Who's available?
1: I don't know. I don't know.
0: <laughs> oh man. So Kansas, you family. I know you are a business owner for a lot of years. You're you're an oil man. You're a drilling guy. So I know you're a resourceful dude. Last I knew from you, you've sold out, taken the money, and moved to uh, moved to California, be next to uh, opportunities at hand. Now I want to get into those opportunities and how they kind of came up. I know you initially started you know wheeling in Kansas. I know you met the you know the Lucky Dog Racing crew, which would be Brian and Levi Shirley. Walk me through like I think I kind of know enough of the situation, how it came to be. But I know at some point you were hanging out with Lucky Dog then you had your own race car, and then you started co-driving for Levi, and then that boiled into the grander picture of what you're doing in Phoenix with uh, Campbell Enterprises. So walk us through that, and bring us up to kind of current time.
1: I'd known Brian Shirley forever. He owned a trailer shop we bought a lot of oilfield stuff from, and just kind of watched Levi grow up, didn't really know who he was. He was Brian's kid. Then we wheeled in the river. We all played in a play, uh, place called Cat House there where Jay Hawkinson worked oil field with me and he was Lucky Dog's chief mechanic, still he has travels with him, amazingly resourceful guy. And I always went out to Cat House with Wheel and there was, can we called it the Kansas Crunch. And that's where that's right. we all met and started wheeling together and then it evolved from there. Our oil field shop, Jay and Mike McClure, is the name you might know.
0: Yeah, Mr. Nestle built
1: a... Yep, built a buggy for a guy from Oklahoma City who was buddies with Walker Evans. Traded in one of Walker's Jeeps on it, which was my first Jeep that I took to Hammers in 2009 and played in the rocks for the first time. What? And that's Ow. that's when it all came together slur- slur- and went out there and Shirley's were racing and that's how it all kind of get came together in a short story. This circle about Walker.
0: Walker is close with, you know, the, the whole Campbell stable. So you end up, uh, you co-drove for Levi. So, but you co-drove for him for many years. Bright orange helmets.
1: Yep, yep. We actually brought the orange. The orange kind of came into the game. It's funny because we started running them in Europe, and now everybody's got running them. I think Levi and I grew up together. It was, he hadn't done much of it. I hadn't done much of it. We learned a lot from each other it's pretty cool i love being in a car with levi today because we learn together the lines i told him to take is what he learned in the rocks and vice versa and it's like if i'm sitting passenger he does what i would do it's it's pretty cool because i've never been more comfortable in a car because we just we grew up together in a car
0: man i, I love i love cheering for levi uh, the whole shirley camp is uh good people L- levi especially man I, I love cheering on him Levi transitioned to a single seater, running around with uh, Campbell Enterprises, those guys, because Levi was getting a a Campbell car from from Shannon. And then somewhere in there, Bailey started racing. And that's what I remember, you started co-driving for Bailey, and that's been, how many years did you co drive for Bailey? Three, four?
1: We've run four Hammers now, I think. (laughs) There was a transition there, I ran my own car for a year and that's what i truly wanted to do when levi went to the single seat i wanted to go back to running my own car and truthfully i just couldn't afford it i I love it i'm a driver by heart i couldn't afford it i'd pretty well quit and shannon called asked me if i would uh co-drive for bailey for a race in sturgis kentucky and i I told him no i wanted to race i don't want to co-drive and then uh I thought about it, and at least it was a way back in the racing to be around it. And then Bailey herself called, and I'd known her since she was a little shit wandering around the pits, and the little Terry, please, and I couldn't tell her no. So yeah, we've done that about tell Bailey no. I can't. I can't now. She's grown up. (laughs) she's not this I love the kid but she's not the sweet little girl everybody knows she's she's definitely her father's child she's got an attitude when she puts her helmet on it's a lot of fun
0: oh for sure for sure for sure I mean look who she learned from in the car just like you said
1: (laughs) (laughs) so uh yeah it's it's been real fun watching Bailey progress because I felt like I already you know I already knew what I was doing at that stuff and Levi I taught Levi and he taught me and Bailey was like a sponge. I, everything I could tell her she soaked up and she'd do something and I'd say, no, do it this way. And you never told her again. She just, she has a tremendous amount of natural ability and it's been really fun helping her progress. Uh, I did a, tri- a lot in the car at first. I was doing pretty much everything but the steering wheel. And it's just slowly evolved with the new car, more switches to her side more stuff to her side. And, now she's pretty well outgrown me, and it's pretty cool to see that and feel like I had something to do with it.
0: I think everyone has seen that, in which I think it's funny that you wanted to... You know, everyone wants to drive their own car until it's been hundreds, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours in the shop by yourself or with you know one buddy or two buddies prepping the same car just to tear it up and come back and do it again. And then the cost of running around the country it's huh. not for everybody, I mean, it, it is very hard. So it's, it's I, I love hearing you say, like, uh, say that it didn't work out for you, you didn't want to co drive, but then you end up co driving. And then here we are today, and now you ran around with Campbell's and they started opening your eyes to things from what I saw. I mean, it looked like going to Mexico, building a chase truck, starting to sell chase beds, starting to camp out all the time. It seemed like for me, looking at your life, a big segue into your move out west, like into this next chapter of your life. Is is that a fair
1: statement? I was at a transition at that point. So oil field was dropping, prices were down, business wasn't good. The year before I'd left, I drilled 72 wells of my own. And the next year I drilled three, if that tells you the difference in the drop of business. I was at a point where I had really good help, but I didn't have families I loved or get rid of myself. The business was sustaining itself. I'd always wanted to play and race. I had a little money in the bank, so I kind of laid myself off for a year and was hanging out with Campbell's. I moved into Wayland's room. He'd moved out. Was working and playing, and I don't know, midlife crisis, early retirement, year off, whatever. But then somehow, it turned into a business. And in the meantime, oil was still down. So, and my heart was not in it anymore. So I'm in the process of closing Madden Oil completely, sold off most of the assets, opened a shop out here. And this is what we're gonna do.
0: What's the name of your, your business? You told me, but it's
1: like high high octane, but it's spelled so it do- It doesn't actually exist at this point, but I'm working together. And we've got a building found. We're in the in the point of the acquisition on it right now. Uh, should be done here in the next month or so. And then it's got a lot of renovations. And then uh, we're hoping to be open by the end of the year. It's going to be called High Road. Always take the High Road. Okay. It'll have a retail spot up front. We're looking for more moto-centric, off-road, merch, motorcycles and off-road together, classy boutique showroom. Carry the high-end products that we love using. And then uh, the shop will be off-road and motorcycle, prep work for a chase truck. I'm getting into other stuff that I'm having, I'll am having. i get to in a minute. We skipped forward big time there, <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll so I'm excited forward about forward. getting that going. That's definitely the next step. And that's, we will come back to that for sure. Uh, that's gonna be in Yucca Valley, right? Yep, Yucca yep. Valley. Oh, that's
0: gonna be nice. I, I can't <laughs> wait to come out and visit. I know I jumped way far forward because you have got some stories. You had some guys reach out to you far reached uh, many people and your exploits and the co-driver seat what you did for levi what you've done for bailey don't get me wrong both of those are th- those are two very great you know top tier drivers but certainly they cut their teeth with you and you end up somewhere being reached out to about co-driving and doing uh, some driver coaching for some folks and i know that you've been doing that so i want you to tell me some of that but i know that there's some stories in there i don't know the stories i want you to tell them to me but i know that you've uh you went to Morocco and almost died. Something about some camels, <laughs> uh, and then you got to come back and fill us in on the recent. You know, just a few weeks ago, the Gambler 500. Talk to me about where you are at today and this new where Terry is with a. He's he's a driver coach from what I've seen.
1: Talk to I me don't about know how how that happened, but it's pretty cool. I'm gonna back up a little on that. A lot of that was because JT Taylor. Yeah, what a so great guy too. It started where Shannon and I which is a whole story in itself. And you tell the story sometime about how we decided to race our first ball in thousand. We were sitting at off road hall of fame. Actually, I'll just tell you now, if we don't get to other stuff, we don't get to it. So <laughs> we'll get to the it. night, the night Shannon's inducted in the off road hall of fame, we go down to the bar and I'm sitting there like a fly on the wall. Just listening to these stories of the guys I'd grown up with Walker and Southfish and Ivan Stewart. And they're kind of giving Shannon shit about, deserving to be there because he's a rock donkey and never raced in baja so we leave there this is the weekend before SEMA, and all week long we're talking like man we gotta go to baja we gotta go to baja we gotta go to baja so we run to, talk to mike palmer palmer's raced it forever he's one of our old xra guys and mike's like come along come more Pitts for us come enjoy it come experience it so by like wednesday we're going okay we're going to baja with palmer it'll be fun it'll be cool Thursday afternoon, Shannon calls me. He says, "Hey, you serious? We going to Mexico next week?" Yeah, I'm serious. We're going to Mexico next week. He says, "If we're going, we should race." Yep. Like, what do you mean That's we Shannon. should race? That's Shannon, right? He's, he says, "Well, I've been thinking about it. we should race." Like, okay, what are we going to race? Like, we'll take the class one. Last I know, the class one's sitting in the back shop in pieces. I'm like, "Okay, it's next week. You know that?" Yep. I'm. Uh, we're gonna pull the motor this afternoon. So he pulls the motor, tears it down gets it to already got shipped to california dropped off back i'm back from sima into phoenix by friday we rebuild put it together and the next wednesday we're in baja pre-running we pre-run wednesday thursday and the race was like that friday or saturday whatever it was and no idea what the hell we're doing go run it finish 19th overall from starting in the back in an ultra four class not having any idea what we're doing it was shannon and brian kirby and uh waylon and i had a great time still know nothing about baja and waylon and i are standing on the podium cool they gave us some little plaques we're pissed off because we got 19th didn't do better this guy walks up and he says uh can i look at that i'm like yeah sure here you can have it he's like what do you mean i can have it i'm like you can have it it's just a uh, just a finisher plaque he's like i've been racing this 10 years trying to get one of them how many years you raced it and I'm, oh this is our first time we decided we'd go last <laughs> week. Right. so i mean that was it's crazy how all this has just fell together with the right people the right times but finishing has never been the goal for me it's it's an expectation it's i want to win but I, I do think it's funny and i appreciate it when people just go out to just finish hammers i've raced 13 of them not 13 years but 13 of them sometimes well, one year, three different classes, several years of two classes, UTB and 4,400. And I finished 10 of 13.
0: I mean, that's a, almost a, an astronomical record. I mean, there's guys that have raced Hammers five, six years and, and still don't have that finisher. I've never finished. At one point, I really, really wanted it. Now I've moved on. I'm, I feel too old and too out of shape. And I, I enjoy all my friends, though. Love rooting for you, wrenching on your cars, drinking your beer. Or drinking my beer there with you. Uh,
1: <laughs> one way. Or yeah, you, you need um, to come again this year. We're looking really forward to it.
0: That's what I absolutely love about you know you and, and the whole Campbell crew. You guys have always had a place for me to stay. That's what I look forward to.
1: So. Back to your original question. That's what got me into Mexico, which got me into JT, and we started racing north, started doing other things, and until that point, I didn't truly realize what I had. JT kept telling me, you're the best at this, you're the best at this, and coming from him, it meant something to me. Absolutely, he's a pro. I ran with a few others, Dave Cole and Shannon, and a few others, and they kept telling me the same thing, and I thought, okay, well, maybe this is, as much as I hate co-driving, I'd, I'd rather call it navigating or what anything but co-driving, I'm a driver who has to ride on the other side. It just evolved into me realizing that I actually had something, and put it out there a little bit and I was shocked at the response so that's how I ended up in Morocco it's how I've ended up a lot of other places is now I'm doing it for hire and coach along the way and try and help
0: that has brought together you know a whole new I'm doing a whole new uh, ball of twine there you're getting in the car with guys that you don't have you don't have control of the vehicle their rookies are newer, or some of them are even veterans, they just haven't had good co-driving, or they actually want to push for a win with a good navigator. I, I believe you ended up in Morocco recently, so... And I know there's a story behind it. I just haven't ever heard it. So you you heard me allude to it earlier. I'm baiting you. I'm baiting because I want to hear I think the world wants to hear the story. It's got to be good. I mean, or, or bad. I don't know. And then we'll just edit it out. Tell me, <laughs> tell me you pooped your pants or something. I mean, come
1: on. So Morocco, Moroccan Desert Challenge is, uh, this year it had 15 people less than Dakar. That's it. And... Eight days, 4,000 kilometers of insanity. It was really cool. <laughs> One of the coolest things I've ever done. How many entries? Uh, I don't remember exactly. I just remember they made a big deal in the driver's meeting that they had 15 less than Dakar, that their goal for next year is to be bigger than Dakar.
0: Okay, that's okay. Now I'm gonna have to go do a fact check after this and figure out uh, what the Dakar number was, because I think Dakar, it's a big number, 400 yep. or
1: something, and- right? It was a really, really cool event. But so a guy named Yap me i never been able to pronounce his last name, and he knows it, so whatever. Fire Ant Racing out of Holland. I'd raced against him years ago in Portugal, Wales, and Scotland with a Lucky Dog. He called me out of the blue, wanted to know if I'd go race this Moroccan Desert Challenge with him, which was is a total route book, rally style navigation course that I have experience with in... And Nora and a few others that...
0: No lead nav, me, no,
1: no... No nothing.
0: No Lowrance. Chip counters,
1: way po- digital waypoints across the middle of the desert in the middle of freaking nowhere. So, on a whim, by myself, got a plane ticket and ended up in Marrakesh. I believe that's how you pronounce it, where we landed. I think so. hadn't even, Hadn't got a chance to be in the car, hadn't saw the car the night before and met Yap the night before and the team and crawl in a car to take off for 4,000 kilometers across Morocco (laughs) serious (laughs) serious language barrier you see Um, me shaking my head the night the night before I get the route book and it's all in French which I don't read the emblems don't mean shit to me Every odd was stacked against us that could be stacked against us.
0: You know what's going on in my head? I'm picturing that viral YouTube video of the in-car, and the guy's like,
1: Habib, you're killing
0: the car. Sammy, listen to me. Sammy, Sammy, listen to me. You're killing the car.
1: (laughs) That's what's going Uh, on in my head. I'm picturing you. (laughs) uh, There was a lot of killing the car. A lot of killing the car. So it was a bowler nemesis. Badass car. Badass car. Yap is an Ultra 4 driver. He's used to an Ultra 4 car. Treated the, that one like an ultra four car, which it is not. Between the two of us, there was a serious learning curve and a lot of broken shit.
0: Ow. Yeah. Needless to say, a DNF. was that what happened? Is that the outcome?
1: We made it through day five. We had a fairly catastrophic cartwheel that we did. It came off of a lake bed section. About it was 22 miles straight, full out lake bed, roughly 140 kilometer an hour pull out into a pinch in the dust he lost it on a rough spot and we went for a ride and that was that was the end of the week for us car was done we're 100 miles from anywhere 130 degrees middle of the desert Sit there for hours waiting on recovery and then that's kind of where the whole journey of the moroccan desert challenge began for me no injuries a little bit of pride a little bit of attitude we're still friends we weren't for a day in there but uh, <laughs>
0: that's, that's how it works in, in racing, you, you, you throw wrenches at each other and then you hug and make up. I mean that's a bunch of type A's.
1: So at this point it was a really neat setup. They move this bivouac every night. They treat us like kings, I mean there's full, full course meals, full showers every night, this whole city set up in the middle of the desert somewhere else and it every 24 hours. One hell of a crew. At this point we're on day five, we got three days left and my plane ticket was at the end. I didn't really have a team to do anything with from that point forward. We didn't get back together. There was a few issues in there for a few days. Till the end, I more or less hitchhiked. Clear across Morocco with other race teams going the same direction. All I knew, I had to get to the bivouac that night, and I had a meal with my bracelet. There's hours of stories in that. Met so many amazing people. So much neat stuff. Messed up on the border of Algeria. Kind of got a little close. Got a nice military escort back to Morocco. Had a real legit. I got to show you the video someday. Run in with some Algerian refugees where I actually had to ride the back of a truck for a few miles with a pipe trying to keep them off of it. They jumped on it at a roundabout, crawled over the top, and pulled their air hoses to lock up the trailer brakes so we had to stop and then tried to take the truck and trailer.
0: <laughs> we, we need to sit down and just do pen to paper and i'm uh, not saying uh you're gonna get a movie deal right now this you could really write enough
1: it was you know, crazy there, there's,
0: there's some gems in here i'm uh, glad to, uh, i'm glad you didn't die
1: i wish i would documented all along the way because then i met a guy that was uh israeli military he was there racing who'd also broke down and we made it by ourselves for a day and then at one point one night there was a They had transports that went from bivouac to bivouac with broken down cars. Moroccan Desert Challenge Organization gets all the cars to the end. We see this transport sitting there with broken cars on it, and we're out of a ride, and we literally, while the guy's getting supper, crawled into one of the cars on this transport, somebody else's race car, and rode on the semi-trailer across part of Morocco for a day into this car on a trailer.
0: Wow. Yeah, i got no words for that, man. What an adventure, all because of uh, racing against some ultra four guys from Holland. Wow! At what point did you meet Karen the camel?
1: That was Gus. Gus, Gus the camel.
0: He's a dude. He just
1: he just looked like a, looked like a Gus. <laughs> the one night I'm in an RV with these guys and they drop me off at the end of the blacktop and there's a dirt road into the bivouac. It's probably I don't know six miles or so in there. You can see the lights and I'm Morocco was really cool for me. I going through a lot personal. Did some serious just a lot of the hitchhiking and the by myself stuff was by choice. I did some serious soul searching, walked the sand dunes and looked at the world from a different light, made some decisions, and this was one of those nights. I'm just kind of walking in, and this damn camel with a saddle on walks across in front of me. And you can't make this shit up. Middle of nowhere, not a soul around, he just kind of walks up and says hi. I mean, we're talking about
0: this is a sign, right? This is a sign of some uh, sort.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Crawl on this camel and he's going the way I'm going. He just seems to be bopping towards the bivouac. Won't listen to a damn thing I say, but he's not running. I figure, well, shit hits the fan, I'll just jump off, but this beat's walking. We rode a couple miles, and out of nowhere, somebody will get me here for being racist, I don't really care. Habib just pops up, hit Gus's camel herder. Is pissed off. Not sure, but I think it's a capital offense for stealing a camel in Morocco, and I think he thought I was stealing Gus. By the time it's over, I rent Gus. Habib leads me on into camp and lets me off. The next day, I realized that at this camp, there's a resort and they give camel rides. They camel ride them up and do tourist bullshit, but there's a stable out at the end of the road and the resort in here. And they just turn the camels loose and they know their way back to the stable and back to the deal. So Gus was just doing his daily routine as a freaking pet. He's a, he's a petting zoo camel, and I think I'm doing something cool, but I'm just riding a petting zoo
0: camel. It's like being on the longest safari ever, and then you realize yeah. that your mom takes you off the carousel, right?
1: Yeah, and, and Habib is just the uh, kid that does the tourist camel rides that sh- shook me down for some cash for being on Gus.
0: Yeah, as he should, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, so so that's oh, where Gus comes come into the picture. He was my buddy for a day. It's even funnier now.
0: <laughs> I know the story. I mean, I only, I'd only seen the picture. I was like, I, 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 I got to ask this guy about this.
1: You get back to the states.
0: I know we, we touch base a little bit here and there about that. About and I think you have to, at least for myself, have to do it. You know, constant, you have to constantly soul searching. You constantly have to be, you know, what what matters. You know, I think that's a none of us ever grow up. None of us ever. Well... And, and people always say you have it figured out. You know, you look like you have it figured out, man. Who is who? Who are these people that have not figured out? I'd like to know.
1: Yeah, me too. I thought I had it figured out for a long time. Go to a more serious note here for a minute. I got some PTSD issues. I thought I had everything figured out and I was always right and everybody else was wrong. If they didn't like it, screw them. I've realized that that's wrong. I treated a lot of people wrong for a lot of years. been really, really soul searching a lot of that. I've been going to some different groups and warrior built a group that I raced the mint with and you need to look up everybody needs to look up they're an amazing veterans group that does good things I go to their counseling groups every Tuesday night it's been really good for me I'm figuring out some of my faults which can make me be better for myself and better for everybody around me
0: if you're not trying to better yourself that you're kind of on the losing end of life it's got to be constantly that that search and trying to find uh, find that center find who you are find who you are that day and then live it own it there was one year at the Mint 400, Dakota Meyer raced a, a class one with uh, Roberts Racing, but I believe Warrior Built uh, had a UTV in that race. And I remember them talking at the beginning of it. And, and I follow Dakota now. I don't know if you follow him now, but he has a, a an organization called like Live the Dash, right? You know, you have from the the year you're born to you know the year you die, I mean, there's a dash on your gravestone. Live that dash, you know, make that everything. I like that. You'll have to look him up, but I'll tell you, just watching you over the last few years, it really, from, from the outside, this is the outside looking in at you. You know, being close friends with you, I I have a lot more insight than this. You really look like you are living the dash. Like I know you don't have it figured out, and you know there are people out there looking at you going, "Man, Terry's got it figured out. He's living the race Whoa. life. He, he's down in Mexico all the time. He's running the Gambler 500. He's off to Sturgis. He has it figured out, man." Just like that old saying, "The grass is not greener on the other side." I know, I know that. But, man, it looks like you're you're doing good on living the dash. That counts for so much, man. It really does.
1: It's funny because I thought I had I thought I had it figured out. I had a very successful little business I worked really hard for. All I did was work. had great money in the bank and had great retirement and had everything figured out. And now I am broke, working different than I've ever worked. Truly happier than I've ever been in my life. The thing, you got to pay attention to what you put value in because I always thought I needed to work towards this retirement and work towards all this stuff when it wasn't truly what was making me happy. I was paying way too much attention to what everybody else thought was right instead of what I needed.
0: I'm going to segue into this. actually going to almost skip the Gambler 500 conversation. We can go back there. We get there. I'm going to bring this up and I, I don't know if you'll take my bait on this, but at KOH... 2018, you met a woman and you started hanging out with her. I will tell you, if you want to use her name, that's great. But what I will say about this woman that you met, being your friend, I've noticed a markable difference in how Terry holds his head, how Terry holds his shoulders, how Terry talks, how Terry does many, many things. I don't have a good relationship with her. so That's for another time. But I will, I will say having, someone, yes. having someone of, you know, a rock in your life. Someone is mo- monumentous. Someone I'm struggling with words for this. Somebody that believes in you stands with you struggles with you, Man is there. There's no you. You can't put a dollar figure. Out. You can't put a a time figure that a happiness figure. Out. I'm sure somebody at Harvard has it's, figured out a way to quantify that. It's
1: something. So I, I don't even truly know where to start there. Yeah, she's. Uh, it's it's the first adult relationship I think I've ever been in in my life. We've been friends for ten years and closer friends for three. Uh, Well, that was a year and a half-ish ago now. We sit down and had an actual adult conversation of, do we want to risk messing up our friendship to be more? To actually enter a relationship as an adult was kind of foreign to me. (laughs) It is cool. You know, we're talking about Jessie. uh, She has been my rock. She. It is unreal. Everything I've accomplished in my life, I've always depended on myself more or less. And it is unreal having somebody in your corner that you can be vulnerable with and they don't judge you and they don't you know i was ashamed of my issues with my ptsd and my other things and <laughs> she forced you from my standpoint i'm like thank you thank you so i didn't cares grow this up and he's listening to her i didn't grow up being able to show emotion it wasn't all right to cry it wasn't all right to be upset you're supposed to suck it up it was cool. It, it is cool having somebody to support me to that level. And, it, and it's really amazing. So I don't know. Our relationship's great. It really is. But more than anything, she's my best friend. And it is really rad having a best friend to that level that I can share that amount of myself with. I'm happy for you.
0: I don't know if I'm happy for her, but I'm happy for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, I feel sorry for her a lot of days.
0: Maybe one day when this show gets, you know, 20 maybe even 30 followers maybe she'll come on and she'll tell the story about uh about Wyatt
1: yeah I don't know if she's gonna come talk to you anytime soon (laughs) fair enough All right,
0: so we, we we did. We went we went full on touchy feely. But that's I mean, that's good. I th- I think people have to know uh, guys have had that conversation. So, you know, some guys are tough. Have a hard time reflecting on it. You know, I struggle. I struggle daily, but so does but I also know everyone else does too. It's just what the struggle is or we all we all have our different battles. We all that we all fight and it is what it is. I'm very very happy to see how happy you are with such a good woman in your life.
1: I am and it's not perfect it's not easy you
0: know it's never gonna be perfect or easy then those are compromises within compromises you make those compromises because of all the ancillary uh, benefits that are there that rock that solidarity that somebody has your back you're your best friend you laugh at the same jokes you watch the same movies you
1: then you get beyond the best friend part of it there's so much other cool shit about it that's so much fun to do i mean we've worked in the shop the last two weeks building the. a miniature Strider bike to be unveiled at Sturgis, put a ridiculous amount of time and money into this just for charity. And it's the coolest thing you ever seen, but it is fun being able to go to the garage in the evening and share the similar interests and not sit on the couch. It's it's really neat to to have that person that I'm not intimidated by her strengths, that where my weak strengths are or her weaknesses, and where her strengths are or my weaknesses, and we just collaborate and work together. And that's that's where High Road comes in, because we're really making shit happen together. And if we can make this High Road go with both of our followings and interests and talents, I have no doubt.
0: So you guys are going to open this High Road. It's going to be in, it's in Yucca Valley, right up the grade from Palm Springs. Passed in and out of it, going to King of the Hammers from the east. I've seen the proposals for high road. If I recap this right Wi Fi, coffee shop, cafe, high end uh, motorcycle gear, gift shop, hat shop, motorcycle shop in the back.
1: Uh, on the side. All, all the above o- off road, on road, motorcycle. Pretty much our business plan at this point is if we bring in all the things we love, we're gonna some of the rock climbing stuff, some of the rock crawling stuff. If we enjoy it, other cool people should like it too. Uh, We want to create a brand that is a destination like CC Moto or one of the others where you go to get a t-shirt and if you're close, you want to stop by and put a sticker on the window like Coco's Corner. A destination, a brand that people want to come be a part of.
0: You remember that whole part where we started this whole interview and I told kind of everyone about cracking the whip on me to make this happen. This is me cracking the whip. Make this happen it's going to happen. Let me know what I can do to help. If it means just flying into Palm Springs and coming up and rolling a paint roller for a weekend, let me know, man. I'd love to be a part of that. One, help with friends, but two, just, dude, it sounds like such a cool idea. It sounds like.
1: I'm so excited about it because it's going to give us a location to be able to do these things. I w- I'm going to include Warrior Built in it. We're going to do some veteran stuff that I've already worked out, talk to the counseling groups at, at 29 Palms, and we're going to do some veteran stuff where there's counseling there's things available and then she has a charity that's really amazing that's called real deal it's a 5013c charity to bring awareness back to skilled trades in this world you know let your kid go be a plumber they can have a career and make a fortune they don't have not everybody has to be a doctor and lawyer let your kid be a welder and the women's roles that women play in them and we're going to use it for her charity and be able to have classes and workshops open shop I want it to just be a cool place to come hang out
0: <laughs> it sounds like a good place to grow old
1: I hope so. Although California is not my final destination.
0: You say that.
1: (laughs) No, that's already been discussed. The goal would be to make high road run, be profitable and self-sustainable in about five years. And then I think location two probably needs to be Oregon or Colorado. Let
0: let me buy in and open in Colorado.
1: Have a place in both and play the whole snowbird role where you come to California in the winter and go there in the summer. And there's amazing up here. A big part of it that I've left out is the driver training. That's going to... We want to do trail rides. We want to do driver training. I've already been doing a lot of driver training. We've got some big events coming up. We're doing some launches for several companies I can't talk about yet with new vehicles where we're going to guide their launches for their media runs up Big Bear. One I'm really excited about right now is... You heard of Jensen Button, the F1 guy?
0: Yeah, I do know who Jensen Button is. Okay. So,
1: Jensen just hired me. Congrats. uh, Congratulations. we've, We've already... We've already went out and done our first test sessions, had a really good time. We're gonna campaign a 6100 truck for this season that I am doing the logistics, the pit support, the co-driving for. And it's been really amazing to get in with somebody of that level of talent and race seriousness, but that amount of humbleness and teachability. He tried racing the Met 400 and he came back and he's like, you know he's a pro. I mean, he's one of the winningest F1 guys of all time, but he's a pro on pavement, not dirt, and he realizes that. And came and asked for some help, and we got in the truck and took off. And his reaction times and ability is insane, but he'll also sink you so deep into a corner you're going to go right on out of it. We have a few times, <laughs> and it's yeah, amazing yeah, the difference over for in some the other guys, right? But the level of that he listens to me for. It makes me feel good about me for somebody of that caliber of racing to ask me to coach them to learn a new skill. We made 20-mile loop out here at Hammers the other day, ran it several times. You know, in a few laps, he's got it memorized, and you tell him something one time and he soaks it up. I think it's going to be a really remarkable thing to do the next couple of years to watch him progress into this and grow into a team. We're working with Maz that runs Singer Porsche here in L.A. He's going to come cut his teeth in the dirt also. Uh, Singer's going to have some some role in this, which is going to be really, really cool. It's, it's something I'm excited about. It's, okay. it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And it shows me that there are people that realize my value in the off-road that I can create a business out of this coaching.
0: We've seen plenty of guys come and go out of the carousel of a uh, right seat driving in like trophy trucks. That just seems like a, a revolving door for many drivers. It feels like, but for guys that come out of ultra four completely cut from a different cloth, and they seem to have a lot more like grit and resilience when it comes to sitting behind the wheel or behind the right seat in the big trucks. We'll, we'll go back to KOH, you know, what they call them, the T1s, have the T1s running on Thursday, and who we saw in the right seat of a bunch of those trucks. They were, you know, Ultra 4 guys. You know, it was cool to see, you know, like Wayne Israelson in there. So, I mean, I'm excited for you. I'm very excited for you.
1: They're in a harder race than King of the Hammers, in my opinion. You know, after going to Morocco and going to doing all the things that i have done and the amount of time i've spent in baja now and raced in seven eight countries now if you can succeed at king of the hammers the other stuff really is easy i don't care what anybody crossover says king of the hammers is hard and to succeed at it it takes a certain type of person
0: yeah i mean no doubt about it and dave cole Takes the bad brunt of the hammer on you know many occasions, but man, that that guy still continues to. Uh, I give him so much credit. He's a good friend, and the, the they continue to crank out the finish rates, they continue to crank out the envelopes that continue to get pushed. I mean, the off-road industry, what it's done over the last ten years. Now we're seeing trophy trucks being popping out with four-wheel drives, all-wheel drive trophy trucks. It's a beautiful thing to see where this sport, this industry, has gone, and the relationships that have delved out of it and blended and crossed over have you know something else. I mean, I can't imagine. 10 years ago having a uh, trophy truck drivers or team owners phone numbers in my phone. And today I do. And I know you're the same way. It's like, you know, we're, we're some farm kids from Kansas. Here we are. Love it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's come full circle. It is really amazing. That has been cool for me to a few of those guys. Ivan Stewart, Ricky Johnson, Walker Evans. You know, I watched them. I used to ride my damn bicycle to the bowling alley to play the Ivan Stewart off-road race game. And to be able to hang out, talk to them guys, text them if I got a question, is kind of surreal. Some days, it's it's pretty neat to realize how small a world this off-road world really is. It's, it's, it's family, crazy. It's family. It's
0: family, just like a family, dysfunctional as can be, and don't get along sometimes. And like I said earlier, throw wrenches at each other, but at the end of the day, still family. It's
1: facts. There are more people, hands down in this off-road world scattered around the world, not just the United States, that if I needed help, they'd be there than my, quote, true friends I grew up with. Right, you're doing it for me. Thank
0: you for coming on. Thank you for pushing me to this level. I'm gonna to continue to push you, you know that. Come crown my shoulder or beat me on the back. I'm here for you. Yeah, I know you're there for me too. I know you and I can talk for hours on end, probably not this long without a beer, but at this point, yeah, I think we've done pretty good. Thank you for coming on The Talent Tank. Thank you for telling us all some stories about when your talent tank was low, like in Morocco, <laughs> and, and what you did to, uh, to replenish it You know, with Gus the Camel. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Episode two in the books, man. Any, any closing remarks?
1: No, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you for stepping up doing this. I think it's going to be really cool and give the industry itself a, another outlet that we'll all enjoy. And uh, I look forward to coming back on. Maybe season four or five. <laughs> <laughs> be dead by then <laughs> all right terry thanks for coming on
0: man anytime wyatt you made it another episode consumed if you like the listen please go give the show a five-star rating on apple podcast and consider writing a quick review either there or over on the facebook page thank you for tuning in to this wild dive into the talent tank wyatt out
1: Thank you for listening and taking a dive into The Talent Tank. Please like and subscribe on Instagram at The Talent Tank or our website, thetalentank.com.